The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. I'm really glad you can join me today and we can have a conversation about the subject of faith being a catalyst. Faith being a catalyst for growth, for progress, for knowing God. I was thinking of uh, Genesis chapter 15. Again, uh, we're going to be sort of chatting about Abraham. Now, in the narrative, he's called Abram. But in my head, (laughs) he's always Abraham. So you're just going to have to bear with me there. But the scripture says that after these things, the word of Jehovah came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And of course, the conversation went on from there, that Abram said to Jehovah that Eleazar, who was a steward in his house, that's his heir, and Jehovah reiterates that the heir will come from Abram and Sarah. But at this particular point, Jehovah reveals himself to to, uh, Abram after the success of uh, rescuing Lot. Now, we call it a success. It was a crisis moment, but it was successfully concluded. And it is suggested that Abram is perhaps fearful at this juncture because he's at risk. The Canaanite kings now know that Abram is a force to be reckoned with, and he's just a nomad. So one can understand Abram's concern, his perhaps fear. And I'm not a believer in coincidences. So it is no coincidence, I think, that Jehovah showed up right at this point when he would be a bit concerned. Now, when we look back, Abram was a pretty bold man in terms of the exercise of faith. We're going to learn something about that exercise. But he left what was familiar and had to wait on God until he got the word that he arrived at the place. Of course, there was a famine in the land, and you know the circumstance. He ended up going to Egypt, and that didn't turn out well because he concocted a lie concerning his relationship with Sarah. And uh, he essentially got booted out of Egypt. No matter how you want to look at it, it wasn't a good exit. And then the subsequent conflict with Lot. And now he has to rescue the same nephew that you know, went to the well-watered fields near Sodom and Gomorrah. But I love the fact that we're seeing a change here in terms of the relationship that he has with Jehovah and vice versa. Uh, I recall fondly as a boy My mom loved to cook and bake, and I used to love watching her bake bread. And one of the things that was really interesting 
is when she added yeast, that lump, that dough, changed. There was a transformation that affected the entire dough, and it rose, and she would do what she, you know, she would knead the dough, and she'd you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, lubricate the pans that the dough would be baking in, and she'd cover it, and I, just, I would just take several trips to the kitchen, maybe every 20 minutes or so, watching that dough just rise. But all it needed was a little bit of yeast, and that yeast became a catalyst that affected the entire lump, and something happened. It changed the texture, the look, the feel. It even changed the end result when it baked. And faith is a catalyst in the spiritual life. Now, we, I think, misappropriate it because at this particular point, when Jehovah took this man and caused him to go outside in the night and to look into the heavens that he could see the stars. And Jehovah said, so shall your seed be. And what was so instructive is the fact that uh, the scriptures says that Abraham believed Jehovah and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, it's really peculiar because it never said that about him when he left Ur of the Chaldees and arrived in the land or even when he returned from Egypt, okay, he did receive a revelation from God concerning the length and breadth of the land after he separated from Lot. But this is the first time that the, the scriptures state explicitly he believed God. And I think that is noteworthy for a variety of reasons. But for our conversation, let's just keep it real brief. God is presenting himself to this man in a very unique way. He presents himself as a shield, a protector. In the uh, ancient languages, it's a crocodile's scaly hide. <laughs> and if you've ever seen a crocodile's scaly hide, you know it is a protector. If you've ever felt it, it's a rather strange feel. But he's also his great reward, his compensation. Uh, uh, one um, Bible expositor said it, it's his passage money. And, and, and these are idioms that, that suggest magnitude, greatness. I have a friend, whenever something significant happens in their life, they always say to me, this is bigness. <laughs> At first I thought it was rather silly, but they would use one word, one term, that would be illustrative of the fact that this is huge and there's no way to describe it except bigness. And now God begins to reveal himself to Abraham to show him something that God wants to be and is to this man. And then, having given him that revelation of himself, he reaffirms the promise by showing him, if you will, a word picture of stars in the heavens and says, your seed is going to be just like this, innumerable. And at that point, the catalyst had its effect. He believed God. And for many of us, oh, so many of us, myself included, 
There were times in my life as a young Christian, a young believer, where I just couldn't figure it out. God seemed to be over there somewhere, but not here and now. And through, like Abraham, circumstances that were bigger than me, and many of us encounter circumstances bigger than us. And we've got to embrace these circumstances as God's opportunity to reveal something to us about himself from his word. Many, so many, come to this difficult lesson and hesitate. A friend asked me just recently how to handle a specific trial in their life, and it was a real trial. It was a, a very specific difficulty. And they text the uh, question, and my response was explicit. Thank God for the trial. Embrace the trial as being allowed by him. Ask him for grace to trust him in the trial and then perform the task that is required of you through the trial. But don't resist the trial. Paul, in writing to the Galatian church, said something similar. He said, I am crucified with Christ. In the original language, it is, I have been and I still am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. But when it comes to that, I am crucified, Christ lives in me, we hesitate to embrace that divine assertion by the Spirit of God through Paul and embrace it as my personal testimony, trusting the Spirit of God to make it effectual, make it real in my life. Most of us, if you ask the question, whom do people see, me or Christ? The admission will be, they see more of me. Yet Paul, a man similar to us, similar passions, similar struggles, same humanity, said, I have been and I still am crucified. He embraced a fundamental truth that was made clear to him by the enlightenment that the Holy Spirit gives, and he is passing on that truth that it is not unique to him. It is the lot for all of us. Faith is that catalyst that bridges that gulf and allows us and enables us to apprehend the very thing that God wants to apprehend us for. And this was Abraham's circumstance. He believed God. What God says about him, himself, to Abraham, I'm your shield, your great reward, and concerning your seed like the stars of heaven. So the land was not in view, but now there's a shift in his relationship with God. And, and here's where the rubber really meets the road for some of us. Some of us get it. And we, we possess that promise. We embrace it as for me, personally. And we perform it. We respond to it as sent for me. 
So it's not just the land that is view that is in view at this point, but God, his person, is in view, a shield, a great reward. And then from there, the conversation deepens. He begins to tell him about the, the future history of his seed, the nation that would come out of him, how they would be uh, a stranger, a sojourner in a land not their own, but that they would be oppressed. But he goes on to say, that is, Jehovah goes on to say, I will judge the oppressors. So what we are seeing in Abraham's relationship with God is he's learning that it's not about him just leaving Ur. But Jehovah said, I brought you out. The, the working in you was my working. The movement, the guiding, the, the protecting, it was all me. I did that. I am sovereign. I'm God. And you may think that you made the decisions, but I moved on your heart because I have a plan, a plan for you, a plan for, for the nation that would come from you. In fact, I have a plan for the families of earth. So God is looking right through eternity, right down to where we are today. He has a plan for your life. And he began to tell him in this conversation as it deepened that the borders will be from Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And it's going to possess all of the lands that the the current owners, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and so forth, that they currently own, it's going to be your seeds. And so now we come to you and me and where we are. And I want to ask you, where are you really? What circumstance is in your life that makes you fearful? And I mean that, fearful. There comes a point in all of our walk with God where we have to be honest with ourselves because we only get one shot at this life, one opportunity to walk it out, to know it, to hold the hand of God, to touch the hand of the one who governs the universe. We get one lifetime to do this. Then we've got to do it. We've got to be bold in doing it. But that initial step is like dropping a seed into the ground. It takes time for the dynamics in the soil to, to take root for, the, for whatever the substance is in the soil or substances are in the soil that becomes a catalyst for that seed to, to uh, undergo a transformation. Or like my mom putting yeast in the dough and kneading it and mixing it and then letting it sit to do its work. Faith is a catalyst. At some point, you and I will have to come to some promise in the Word of God that applies to this area of fear and failure and ask God for the grace to embrace it exactly as the Spirit of God presents it to you. It's like that man whose child, I believe, was uh, demon-possessed and threw himself into the fire and so forth, but the Lord Jesus asked him if he believes he's able to do it, that is, to heal his child. And the man replied, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So he was honest in the fact that 
I know it's true. I believe it's true. But there's also, uh, like Paul said in, in Romans chapter 7, there's another law in me <laughs> that when I would do good, evil is present. I feel the hindrance. I feel the pull. And we will have to come to that place with God where we're, we're simply honest about where we are. But do not hesitate to embrace the promise as belonging to me. Now, this conversation, this encounter with God, this vision that Abraham had was, was I think, the turning point. And if you were to go to, to uh, Romans chapter 4, Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, refers to this self-same circumstance. And we learn something that was going on in the heart of Abraham. So God reveals himself as his shield and his great reward. That's the divine end, God or Jehovah to Abraham. But here's what Paul, uh, Paul said when he, when he wrote to the church at Rome. And in verse 17, he, he, he inserts, I have made thee father of many nations. That was the promise. Before the God whom he believed, okay, those are the key words, he believed God, <laughs> And it goes on to say, who quickens the dead and calls the things which are not as being. So Abraham also had a view of God, a view such that it was part of the catalyst. His thinking about who God is changed. And this is what faith, you know, we talk about faith like a nebulous sort of thing. It's a catalyst. We all are given a measure of faith. And all it needs is a little bit, because the Lord Jesus said that. The size of a mustard seed. I've seen a mustard seed. It's pretty small. But when that catalyst is mixed with the word of God, something happens. And that something not only changes our perspective, it changes our thinking. And this man... We are given insight by the Holy Spirit into his thinking. He viewed God as the one who makes the dead come alive. And number two, he calls things not being, being. Like in Genesis chapter 1 when he says, Light, be, and light was. This is God. But this is what Abraham believed about God. That if he's going to bring to pass this promise in my life, that is Abraham's, I'm as good as dead. The child that he was believing God for, now really believing God for, would not come but for another 13 years. And between now, this, this vision, and the birth of Isaac, he and his wife concocted the scheme to of course, go into Hagar and, and father a child. That wasn't God's plan. Doesn't mean that because you're believing God, you won't make a few mistakes along the way. But sometimes, 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 we make a few errors and then we really get it. And Abraham believed God. And Romans 4 tells us what he was believing. For this to happen, He's got to make our dead bodies come alive. 
Not only that, if he brought me out of Ur of the Chaldees, if he brought my feet here in this land, if he did all of this, then he is going to have to command it to happen. That is the only way it will happen. God, by a sovereign act of his divine limitless power, is going to have to command it from his throne room of heaven. And it's going to happen. And I'm going to say to you, my friend, that the promises of God made real to you and brought to pass in your life, it's not without the presence of trial, difficulty, pressure, because that compels us to go to the the word of God, and seize the promise and let go of everything else but the promise of God and believe it and embrace it. And he goes on to say, as he wrote to the, uh, the church at uh, Rome, so, verse 19, so shall thy seed be, and not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body already become dead, being about a 100 years old, and the deadening of Sarah's womb, and hesitated not at the promise of God through unbelief. This is just fantastic. Because here's, here's the word picture to best describe this. If he had a mirror, or we would say look in the mirror, you would see an aged body. And your, your, your cognitive faculties will conclude that body can't have children, albeit Sarah or my body cannot produce the little swimmies <laughs> necessary to fertilize an egg. My reproductive system has got to be regenerated completely new and commanded by God to do so. But I'm not going to focus on the dead body. I'm going to look away from the dead body and look at the promise of God. And herein lies the rub. What do we do? We look at the impossibility more than we look at and ponder the promise of God and more than we ponder who God really is. The impossibility looms larger than our vision of who God is. And no wonder we hesitate when we pray. We are doubtful that he will answer. We hope that he will answer in the affirmative. And we just simply wait in agony, not knowing what God is going to do. Whereas when we look at the promises, when we look at people, uh, witnesses who've gone before us, they waxed mighty because of their faith. The catalyst was allowed to do its work. They embraced the vision they had of God, and it made all the difference in the world, and they waxed mighty in battle, received their dead, stopped the mouths of lions, and the list goes on of people, ordinary people like you and me, who if you will, performed wonders, not because they of themselves were wonderful, <laughs> great, mighty, powerful, but because they embraced the promises of God as belonging to themselves. And they looked away from the impossibility and they looked to the God to whom nothing is impossible. And so we'll come back to this conversation 
but as we quiet ourselves beside still waters. Let this be the opportunity for you to embrace the promises of God in such a way that it becomes real to you, that God becomes real to you personally. And as our hearts are quieted in his presence, may he bring it to pass to us just as he promised. To his glory and for our benefit. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.